This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, we are going to take a look again at the Acts passage and find a few things out that we may not have known before, which is always the, a good thing. So let's take a look. Acts 1, verses 6 through 14. Now, to truly understand what's happening here, we need to look at verse 5, the verse immediately preceding the first verse of the passage. In verse 5, Jesus says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, not many days from now, does Jesus tell them the exact time that they're going to have to wait? No. Now, this means that they're going to be waiting, right? Now, what characteristic do we need to be willing to wait? Patience. Patience. There we go. All right. Now, are any of us possessing patience in abundant supply? All right. Now, about that passage, Henri Nouwen says, the word patience means the willingness to stay where we are and live the situation out to the full in the belief that something hidden there will manifest itself to us. Impatient people are always expecting the real thing to happen somewhere else and therefore want to go elsewhere. The moment is empty, but the patient dare to stay where they are. Patient living means to live actively in the present and wait there. Waiting then is not passive. It involves nurturing the moment as a mother nurtures the child that is growing in her. But patience, on the other hand, sits quietly and says, I'm waiting because I have a promise. And so I'm going to trust the one who promised me. Now, who promised them, the apostles, that they would receive the Holy Spirit? Jesus. In verse 6, keep in mind that Jesus has been with them for 40 days after the resurrection. He's risen from the dead and he's been with them in his glorified body. And for those 40 days, he's basically been giving them a missions seminar, telling them what they're going to have to do and what they're going to do and what work they're going to achieve or accomplish in his name. Take note of the fact that in Acts 1, verse 6, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? There they go again. The disciples want a political solution. Jesus has outlined his priorities and they still have eyes on this earth's actions and values. 
They're still thinking in worldly terms. Now, Jesus responded to that, according to Stan Mast, not by answering the question, but by reorienting his questioners. They wrongly assumed that they knew Jesus' agenda. So Jesus explains his real agenda. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Notice how diametrically opposed those two agendas were. The disciples say, are you? And Jesus replies, you will. They were looking for Jesus to do something for them, to serve their interests, and to be their servant. Jesus has already done everything for them, and now is calling them to be his servants. They say, at this time, Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times. They wanted to proceed on their timetable. But Jesus said that God is in charge of the schedule. They focused on the restoration of their country. But Jesus was focused on their witness to the world. They wanted the kingdom to come into their own lives. But Jesus wanted the kingdom to come all over the world and for them to take the kingdom all over the world. They wanted to be kings so that their king would be done on earth, or their will would be done on earth, rather. But Jesus wanted God to be king so that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Their agenda was getting back on top. Jesus' agenda was getting God back on top. And do you see there where there is a total contrast between the two visions that were at play in this scene? Now, basically here, I would not have blamed Jesus after hearing that question. I would not have blamed Jesus for saying, no, 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 no. And we can believe that Jesus might say that because you remember in Luke chapter nine, remember after the disciples couldn't cast out the demon from the boy after they'd come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, what did Jesus say in response to that? He said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? He says basically, how long am I going to have to put up with this? So Jesus then is basically kind of reiterating that with the disciples. God bless their pointy little heads. They still wanted an earthly kingdom. And he says, no, 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 no. Now, how long do I have to put up with this? Now, David Garland says that nevertheless, the disciples are not to sit on their hands. You're thinking, well, what does that have to do with this? It's the kingdom priority. They're not supposed to sit on their hands waiting forever. When the Holy Spirit comes on them, they must be ready to act. The task of witnessing to a resistant world qualifies as hazardous, hazardous duty. Acts will narrate their witness to the world in powerful word and miraculous deeds and in their caring for one another. It is not surprising, however, that after the disciples have been told what to do, 
we find them staring up into the heavens. Many Christians today still have their heads in the clouds, according to David Garland, rather than being engaged in their calling to mission. Mission is not a budget item that the church can outsource. Mission is to the church like air is to fire. Without it, the church fizzles out. Many Christians today may shy away from evangelism because they do not know enough. One hears excuses such as, I don't know the Bible that well, or I don't have a theology degree, or what if they ask me some deep theological question that I can't answer? God does not call the Christians to be scholars or pastors. It does not take an encyclopedic knowledge of the Bible or a theology degree to tell people, like a witness in court, what you have seen Jesus do for you and for others. It takes openness to the Spirit's leading to speak to others and to communicate the gospel in credible ways. And I know after hearing that, there's some of us here in this room that suddenly developed really sweaty palms. Thinking about, oh gosh, that means I have to go witness to somebody? Yeah. So get a tissue, wipe off your palms and go tell Jesus. Go tell someone about Jesus. Now, you can be sure that the disciples were taken aback. Well, like they always seem to have been. But can you imagine standing there having a conversation with somebody and suddenly have them disappear and ascend into heaven right while you're talking to them? You know, hey, man, you know, oh, where'd he go? Sort of like Elisha when Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind. Oh, no. You know, so there's Jesus ascending to heaven. And you can be sure those apostles were surprised. Yet, this event has real significance for the church. John Stott said about this one instance, The remedy for unprofitable spiritual stargazing lies in a Christian theology of history and understanding of the order of events in the divine program. First, Jesus returned to heaven. Secondly, the Holy Spirit came. And thirdly, the church goes out to witness. Fourthly, Jesus will come back one of these days. Whenever we forget one of these events or put them in the wrong sequence, confusion reigns. So many people today are looking for Jesus to return right now. So they don't have to witness to somebody. But that's not how that's supposed to work. We need especially to remember that between the ascension and the return of Christ, there stretches a period of unknown length, which is to be filled with the church's worldwide spirit-empowered witness to him. We need to hear the implied message of the angels. You have seen him go. You will see him come. But between that going and coming, there must be another. The Spirit must come, and you must go into the world for Christ. So, you see, most people don't really think a whole lot about the ascension. Because it, yeah, well, it happened. But what happened there is that Jesus was taken 
back into heaven. And now he sits as king over the entire universe. His reign as eternal king began on that day right there in Acts chapter 1 where he ascended into heaven. What happened after that? Basically, what happened was the apostles went and they assembled together. Notice, though, according to Stan Mast again, how important it was that everyone was there. The absence of one apostle was so significant. One of their first items of business was the appointment of the 12th apostle. And note how Luke makes a point of including women in the waiting, the praying, and the witnessing body, a foreshadowing of Joel's prophecy coming true on Pentecost. They were all together. And second, they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And note that they prayed together. They all joined together constantly in prayer. They were not praying to change the will of God. They were praying that God would do His revealed will. Well, if God was going to send the Holy Spirit anyway, why should they pray about that? Well, this, that is sometimes how we reason about prayer, isn't it? God is going to do what God is going to do, so why bother to pray? That seems reasonable, but it runs counter to everything that Jesus taught and to everything we read about the early church. Perhaps the Western church is losing members rather than gaining them, like the early church precisely because them like the early church precisely because we have let our reason overwhelm the revelation we read in the Bible. For ten days the church joined together constantly in prayer. And then the wind blew and the church grew and the kingdom of God spread to the ends of the earth. Think about that. On that first Pentecost so long ago, actually the first Christian Pentecost as it were, how many people does it say were added to the church in that one day? 3,000. You think that constitutes like a revival or an awakening? Now, how did that come about? Well, yes, they received the Holy Spirit. But how also did it come about? Because those 120 of them prayed together and prayed together and prayed together and prayed together. Are you getting a hint here? But they prayed together. Why did that make any difference? It's because that was the prayer together in the unity of the Holy Spirit, which was coming, that gave them the power to be the witnesses on that day. Because it says that all those people from all the known world heard the gospel being proclaimed in their own language. They had the power to preach that day and to speak in languages that they didn't know. And 3,000 people were added to the church. So they were a praying community. And if we're going to get anything out of this passage today, let's remember that we don't have to worry about when Jesus is coming back. Why? Well, because he said he was. 
that was promised. So our task today is to be the witnesses for Christ in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, and to the other parts of the earth. And that's what the church's mission should be always, to spread the good news that there is life eternal in Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at christthekingnorthshore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. Mm -hmm.